Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Hey church, how we doing? Woo! Valentine's Day. Anybody get the breakfast in bed? Any breakfast in bed? Nope, none of you? Cool. Us neither. Um, <laughs> I had coffee out the door is almost as romantic. Um, uh, hey, happy Valentine's Day. Man, we're happy you're with us. If you're new with us, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at, uh, at FBH. And uh, man, you if you are new with us, you have hopefully picked the right day to, uh, to be here because we are going to be walking through what we call the state of the church. We do this every year. Uh, oftentimes we do it in January this year. Uh, we just felt like it would be more romantic to do it this way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're glad you're with us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look back towards 2020. It's going to be some painful parts to look back on. And then after we look back on 2020, we're going to look forward into 2021 and uh, just kind of talk about where we see ourselves going as a church. Because, I mean, let's be real, it has been a year, right? It has been a year. There is no doubt about that. But we want to, uh, to be... We want you to know uh, that ministry is still happening, that, that ministry at First Baptist Hanford is still happening, happening. lives are still being impacted, uh, and we still have the opportunity to serve the world, even though uh, the majority of the world was shut down for the majority of last year. So if we were to rewind back to, uh, to January of 2020, which seems like forever ago, by the way, think about something that you did last January. Man, that seems like it was about a decade ago. Um, and, uh, and you would notice that we were kind of full steam ahead with our new vision. We were full steam ahead with our, our new direction for the church. We were doing hard pushes into small groups. We were doing our best to push into uh, our community. Our attendance was higher than it had been uh, in, in the last few years. Things were going well for us. I actually, uh, this week in preparation for this, I re-listened to State of the Church 2020. Man, you guys, you guys want to hear some good jokes. Go back and listen to that and listen to the things that I said we were going to do in the year 2020. And God was like, nope, not going to happen this year. Um, but there were some exciting benchmarks that we need to take note of. So in 2020, we were talking about, man, our, our nursery was, I think I literally said we were having a baby explosion, which sounds morbid, except we were talking about the amount of babies that were, were, we were having in our nursery so much so that, man, we were having to split our nursery into two rooms. Our, our kids' ministry was at over 100% of where it was the year before. And so, I mean, we, we, we doubled in our growth in our, in our children's ministry. We topped out at 82 kids, not including uh, our Easter services. So we had 82 one week and like 77 the next week. And our thought was, man, like our bottleneck is going to be our kids' ministry. Because, I mean, obviously... We can stuff as many people into one room as we possibly can, right? Like that's just a thing that we can do. And so the bottleneck was never going to be what happened in this room. The bottleneck was always going to be with our kids' ministry overall. So we were, man, having internal conversations about, hey, we're going to need to cut this thing into two services so we can make sure we don't have too many kids um, in, our, uh, in our kids' ministry and that sort of thing. But, uh, but things were going well for us. Now we had our team solidify. We brought Emily Dewey on and we were like, we are going to be able to move forward. And actually, as I, as I did the state of the church, the goal was to continue to migrate into small groups. We were, uh, we were establishing a new database called Planning Center. We revamped our website. Uh, we, we, we pushed into a new app called Church Center. And really the interesting thing is, is that as we were doing all of these things, uh, a large push last year was getting our technology caught up with the year 2020. That was a big push that we wanted to do specifically at the beginning, uh, the beginning of the year. And all of these things were going to make it easier for us on the administrative side to kind of keep track of everything. And so part of that, part of our goal for the year 2020, we had never had any cameras before. Okay, the only camera that we had was actually Kyle's personal camera that he would bring and allow us to use uh, for different things. We need to shoot a video for Facebook or whatever. He did a great job, and we appreciated him 
letting us borrow his camera. Um, but we were just recording services like the audio of services. And we put them on our podcast and we had them on the website and that sort of thing, which was great. But our goal was, hey, let's get video going. Let's slowly kind of dip our toe into this technological pool. Um, and so we did that. And, and man, the annual meeting rolled around and that's always at the end of January. And so we got the budget approved. And I was like, Kyle, Go, man, hey, go purchase the things that we need to purchase to get the video up and running. We're not going to do live, live stream yet. That's a, that's, a, that's a much bigger cost and it's way more complicated. We're just going to record and we'll repost it like a Monday or Tuesday. So people are like out of town or uh, people, you know, happen to miss Sunday for whatever reason. They can go back and they can, they can watch the whole thing rather than just having to listen to it and that sort of thing. And so we, um, we did that. Okay, we, we did that. And all of these kind of challenges that we had as far as like having to split into two services, we need to add small groups, like all of these things were good problems for us to be able to have. And not only good problems, but problems that we understood, problems that we felt like we could control the outcome of a lot of these, right? Like we felt like we were in a, a good area. Things, we, we felt like things were moving in a direction where, where God was blessing us and was going to bless us with a season of incredibly explosive growth. And we were excited. We were pumped. If you listen to that, to that sermon from 2020, there's like clapping and like people are happy and the room is full. It's weird. Um, but then something happened. Uh, you may have heard of it. March 12th, 2020 happened. Uh, it's a great day uh, in my life. Uh, we, <laughs> we sent a video out to everybody that would shut down our in-person meetings for the following few months. You know, going, uh, going back to that day, I remember talking with our pastoral staff. I remember calling an emergency board meeting to talk about what it is that, uh, that we needed to do amid the pandemic and making some very difficult and some, uh, some very prayerful decisions. Yeah, it wasn't an easy thing for us to be able to do, right? I mean, all of us have walked through uh, some of that hardship, but we recognize that the, the responsibility at the time on us was to do what we could regarding the safety of our community. So we closed our doors, and our doors stayed closed for a long time. The, one of the reasons it's a difficult decision is, it, the best of my knowledge, at First Baptist Hanford, we have never closed our doors on a Sunday morning, ever. I don't know if there's ever been a time, maybe to simply have like a picnic on the lawn or something like that on Sunday morning after preaching or whatever. Okay, but I don't, I don't know of a time where we have ever closed our doors. And for someone who had been a senior pastor for, I mean, have had a long tenure of, at that point, a year and a half, uh, I was in way over my head. Everybody was. And so it was, it was nice to know that like me and like Rick Warren and Andy Stanley and like all of those leaders were on the same playing field regarding not knowing what it was that we were supposed to do. Like any time that I was like, oh yeah, me and Rick Warren, we're having the same thoughts in our heads right now. I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> right? And so that really was kind of what was, what was going on. It was difficult and these decisions were hard, but we had to do it. But like I said, our doors stayed closed for a long time. It was actually a few months until we met together again. That was June 28th. We met together again. And so almost three and a half months had gone by uh, with, with strictly digital services. And some of it was exciting, to be honest. Some of it was like, man, we get to press into like different type of ministry, like, we, like as a problem solver myself and somebody who wants to be able to, to, to like breathe new life into different ministries. It was like, okay, well, this is the, these are the cards that we've been given. Let's play this hand to the best of our ability. So, you know, we did our best to put, put on online services. I got to be home like, on, and celebrate with my family for Easter for the first time ever. Really, really strange uh, for me. It's probably never going to happen again, but we got the opportunity to do that. Like Mother's Day, Father's Day, it was crazy. I was at home. I like did what a lot of other normal people do who don't work on Sundays do. Um, and, uh, and so we, we, June 28th rolled around. And so we got the opportunity to meet for three weeks. And actually on June 28th, I remember standing right about here. And the first words out of my mouth were, we did it. And like I declared victory. I was like, guys, COVID is in the rearview mirror. Things are going to start getting back to normal. It's going to be phenomenal. And then three weeks went by and then <laughs> numbers started climbing again. We're like, all right, guess we're going outdoors. 
And so we migrated a lot of our, uh, our stuff outdoors, um, and, uh, and we stayed outdoors until November 22nd, we stayed outdoors. So you all endured heat, you endured cold, you endured fog, you endured uh, uh, just, just the opportunity, you got an opportunity to come and just uh, be uh, uncomfortable for the entire time of, uh, of being outside. Um, and... Uh, and then on November 22nd, we reevaluated the data that had been given to us. We had long discussions with our, our pastoral staff. We had long discussions uh, with our board. Um, and we decided to open our, our doors again, to remain physically distanced, uh, to be masked. We were going to congregate as the corporate church, and we've done so ever since. Let me be clear. None of these decisions were easy. None of these decisions were politically motivated. All of these decisions were prayed over. They were weighed through a lens of theology. They were weighed through a lens of philosophy of ministry. And they were weighed through a lens of logistical uh, ability for us to be able to roll it out before deciding the best course of action for moving forward. Not just for our leadership, but for our church in general, this was a year of trial. This was a year of growth, but it is a year where we've had the opportunity as a church to see not how wide our faith can be, but how strong uh, our faith and our commitment to the gospel was. That's what 2020 has been about. This isn't the first time the church has faced trial. It's not the last time the church will face trial. Romans 8.28 actually tells us what a Christian is supposed to do when faced with kind of disappointment and despair. It says, and we know that in all good things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, not just good things, not just the romantic things on Valentine's Day, not just the times when you have, a, you, you have your brand new baby or when you get married or, or you get to retire after, after working for the vast majority of your life. Not just good things, all things. All things God works for the good of those who love him. Every single thing. And yet a lot of times this year, I feel like we've been asking ourselves the question, why? Why would God allow some of these things to happen. Maybe you lost a loved one to COVID. If you have, I'm incredibly sorry. Maybe you've simply lost somebody uh, in, this, in this past year. I mean, in the, the, past, the past couple weeks alone, we've lost, uh, we've lost a couple, couple people from our congregation, long-standing people, right? Lucy Watkins and Corky Tribble both passed away in the last couple weeks. And that's a hard thing, but, but one of those things that, that, man, us on the other side, they have, you know, they have the assurance of salvation there with the Lord now. But there's been families now who, who can't even have like a memorial service because, because we can't gather in large groups. Like there's been people, I've done funerals and I've done weddings even where people are like, hey, yeah, we're not going to have a whole lot of people here and their, their dream weddings are, are different than what they had imagined and the funerals that they give for their loved ones are hard. Maybe, maybe you lost a job because of COVID, right? Maybe you're in the restaurant industry. I don't know. You, 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 you are in the beauty industry. I don't know. I said beauty. I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry if I offended anybody by saying that, but... You guys make me look more beautiful, so thank you. <laughs> but whatever it is, maybe, you've lo- maybe you intentionally had to step out of work because your kiddos are doing distance learning and they need somebody at home with them on a regular basis. I don't know what version of hard or what version of trial that you have had to, uh, had to lean into this year, but we as Christians have to continue to recognize that all things work together for the, for the good of those who love the Lord. And that's a hard reality. Not some things, all things. And if I'm being honest, I, I found myself fatigued from this last year, just, just tired. Towards September, October, we had worked so hard just to figure out how to do Sunday mornings that everything else kind of became a blur. I don't know if you've heard of the term decision fatigue. Anybody heard of the term decision fatigue? No, just me, cool. No hand raises, awesome. 
Cool. So I was tired. Apparently you guys were all rejuvenated in the room. Um, but, uh, but that is exactly what was happening in my life. Because the things that we had established as a church as routine were simply no longer routine. We had to reevaluate how we did very, very simple things. Things that, man, they had a long track record of this is simply how we do it. Like, I don't know, plastic, passing a plate for offering. Right? That's been done here for like 125 years. And we've never had to question the model. We just handed people a plate and passed it around. You guys put money in it and we got to do ministry. And then all of a sudden things like this happen. We had, okay, uh, uh, can we even take offering? Are people, if we shut our doors for the next three and a half months, are people even going to give to our ministry? Are we going to be around after all of this? Or what about communion? Man, coming to the Lord's table is a simple thing. We had some juice, we got some bread, and we call it a day, right? Like it shouldn't be a difficult thing to do. We had to reestablish how we did very, very simple things like that. Or even when we moved outdoors. Like here, are people going to show up to church when it's 90 degrees outside? Some people would. And then other people would be like, well, I'm not going to come to church until it's 40 degrees outside. And you're those weirdos. Like we had people on both ends of that spectrum. Who was going to even show up to church in that way? So much of everything that we did in the past year was wrapped up in making Sunday morning work. That our mission of love God, love people, and serve the world got blurred, if I'm being honest. It got blurred. And we didn't completely move it to the side, but it did get blurred. And only a handful of times in my career in ministry have I been at a total loss as to what the best way forward was. Believe it or not, they don't teach you, they don't teach you when you're going to get your degree how to handle a global pandemic and lead a church at the same time. They don't even offer leadership classes, much less pandemic leadership classes. I was at a complete and total loss as to what to do. So I prayed and I prayed and we as a staff talked and we as a board talked and we prayed and we made decisions, hard, all, hard decisions all year. And if I'm being honest, like I said, I'm being honest, I was in a bit of a funk. And I just wanna, I wanna take a second really, really quick and I wanna thank Pastor Jeff and I want to thank Pastor Kyle for continuing to push us forward into ministry and better ministry throughout the year. Man, there were, there were times throughout the year when, like I said, I was just tired. And I felt like this Old Testament story of Moses. Okay, I'm not comparing myself to Moses. We're not even in the same ballpark together. Um, but he realized, Moses realizes at one point that if he keeps his arms elevated, if he keeps his arms, arms up, the Israelites are going to win the battle. And Moses starts getting fatigued. He starts getting tired and his arms start to fall down. As his arms start to fall down, the Israelites start being overcome in battle. And so what happens is, is Moses, two of his most trusted people in his life, they come alongside of him. Their names were Aaron and Hur. They came beside him and held Moses' arms up until the Israelites were, were victorious in battle. That's what Jeff and Kyle were to me this year. Can you take a second and just say thank you to those two guys? But this isn't state of Pastor Peter, this is state of our church. And so uh, with all the uncertainty we had been through, we had to figure out how to do ministry amid the pandemic. And God's timing is perfect. Amen, church? Proverbs 16.9 reminds us that in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Again, go back and listen to state of the church from last year. I just laughed. <laughs> It was like, man, guys, this is all the things that we're going to do. Check it out. Look at where we're going. Look at our trajectory. It's going to be incredible. God has explosive growth planned for us, and then the Lord establishes our steps. The Lord is the one who goes before us. And we're all guilty of pre-planning for our future. Like, we all want to do it. And ministry can be difficult because we want to be strategic Right? We want to be smart about where we're going and what we're doing. God has given us a brain for a reason. I'm a big believer in that. He's given you a brain. Use your brain. Um, but that being said, while we wanted to kind of simply get cameras into place, and this is one of my favorite stories from last year, and just record stuff and put it online, uh, we started on that project in February, the beginning of February. And we hadn't intended to live stream until this year, until 2021. Actually, uh, two weekends ago was the plan to start live streaming for us because there's an extra cost associated with it, because it's difficult to be able to do, right? There's a lot of moving parts with it and that sort of thing. But then COVID hit. 
right? And I told Kyle, I went to Kyle, and I said, hey, man, we have 15 days. to. You don't have a year anymore. You have 15 days to start our live stream, or else we don't get to do church. Can you do it? <laughs> I think his response was like, I don't think I have an option. And I was like, bingo, go do it. And so on day 13 of the 15 days, he was ready to go. We had the technology we needed to get in there. We had the people trained. And if it wasn't for us thinking to ourselves, hey, we're simply going to just, we're going to just get these cameras in. They were installed and in 15 days, like God's timing was perfect. We couldn't have planned that. I would have literally been recording a selfie on an iPhone for like a month until we were able to get stuff up and going. But then we got stuff up and going and Kyle was putting out, helping us put out the best content. Legitimately, I believe the best content and services in Kings County legitimately and it wasn't just the cameras and it's not just the technology it's the fact that he put a team together some of which who had never once ran a camera some of whom who have never once run a soundboard and they were coming in on Wednesdays some of whom were like just home from work others we were like we had high school students that we were pulling in to help us Kyle trained them and he was like all right we're gonna do this thing and we did it and we never skipped a beat God was pretty awesome in the midst of that. And that started our shift into a whole new ministry because our old ministry model wasn't going to work in the way that we had been doing it. It goes back to one of my favorite Andy Stanley quotes. Andy Stanley's a pastor in the South. He has a lot of good leadership quotes and that sort of thing. Um, but his, one of my favorite quotes he has, it says, date your model but marry your mission. Date your model but marry your mission. We never want to stray from love God, love people, and serve the world. Everything we do is going to be tied to that mission. The way that we do it, though, the methodology that we use has to change, will continue to change based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether that be a change in culture, whether that be a pandemic, whether that, whatever it may be, methodology has to continue to change. And so we changed. We launched Zoom small groups. Raise your hand if you knew about Zoom before 2020. Okay, there's a couple of you. I think you're lying, but there's no, just kidding. If you knew about it, you should have invested in it earlier. Um, just kidding. But we had to shift into Zoom small groups. I had no clue what they were. No clue what Zoom was or anything like that. And all of a sudden people were like, use Zoom, use Zoom, use Zoom. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use Zoom. So we did, and we launched our small groups into them in order to make sure that our groups stayed connected. And while some people kind of trailed off, we've largely retained the majority of our groups and even added to our numbers as well this year. You know, we found out that seniors were an at-risk group, a higher at-risk group for COVID. We established a list of people from our database who were over the age of 65 for people to be able to contact weekly. And we just got people in the church. We're like, hey, are you interested in, in just making sure that these people who, who are at higher risk don't need anything? And you're just checking in with them, making sure they're not lonely or anything like that. And they called a group of people on a weekly basis. So I will say this. Uh, and, and those are still happening, by the way. Not weekly. Because most of them are like, hey, look, I'm fine. You can leave me alone now. Um, some are monthly, bi-weekly, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I will say this, if you are over the age of 65 and you never got a phone call from us this year, hey, we probably have bad information for you in our database. That means we don't have your correct phone number because every single person was supposed to get weekly phone calls based on that. But beyond that, we began, like I said, we began recording our services. We started putting that up and then we, we pushed hard into online engagement. Okay, we started doing daily devotionals last year at the start of this. You guys remember those daily devotionals? None of you? Awesome. Okay, a couple of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Whew. Um. <laughs> we started doing daily devotionals, and, and people were really excited about first, but then we noticed that only three people were watching them on a regular basis. They're so like, okay, this obviously isn't, isn't hitting as large of a demographic as we had hoped. Okay, but we started doing those, those, daily, those, those daily devos and uh, allowing people to interact with, with us and with one another through the wonders of technology, but then we started noticing a growing trend. Okay, this is called Zoom fatigue. Anybody get that this year, right? Like, I'm done with screens. I don't care. I don't want to talk to anybody else through a screen. I'm over it. 
Like, if you need me, shoot me a text. Like, I want, I, like, or come to my home. Like, those are your two options at this point, right? And so because of that, we started trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what maybe events or programs or things that we could do, what are some things that we could do that, that would allow people to stay socially distanced from one another, but still kind of engage with one another and still engage in our church culture? So me and Pastor Jeff, man, we put on our youth pastor hats real hard. Hey, we came up with an event that we called Ride and Go Seek. Who came to Ride and Go Seek this year? Okay, yeah, a handful of you. We had over 100 people show up. Ride and Go Seek was awesome. Okay, all we did was like, hey, look, we want to make just a big scavenger hunt around Hanford. Like, that's our goal. And I was like, oh, yeah, Jeff, let's do it. So we're talking like, like, this is going to be a great kids event. And Jeff was like, no, whoever wants to come can come and do the scavenger hunt. It's not just for kids. I was like, oh, cool. So is it just going to be like kind of around the church and that sort of thing? He's like, no. We're going to have them drive all around Hanford and we're going to get people really upset with us because one clue is going to be at Costco and the other one's going to be at Sierra Pacific. Like, cool. Are the clues going to be like kind of easy? Like some of them are going to be easy, but some of them are going to be really, really hard. Like I'm going to make a word scramble that it's actually two words scrambled together, but I'm not going to put a space in it so no one knows where it is. And it just kept going. I was like, okay, well, are we going to feed them? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be part of the clue, one of the clues that we have. But they're just going to walk in and pick up tacos and come out. I'm like, all right, cool. That sounds great. And then the night came and the restaurant was like, oh, no, I made to order. What do you want? So we had like a 15-minute bottleneck for people getting food. Like it just kept going. But it was so much fun, even though the Vince Rober family won. Everybody else still had a decent time. There's some hand raising going on over there. It's the most expressive you've been this morning, Vince. <laughs> but, but we had to reinvent ministry. We had to figure out a new methodology, a new way of being able to do things in order to be able to bring people in and say, hey, look, like, hey, we love you. We love our community. We want to be able to do more. And so, we, like, if the pandemic had, had never hit, I don't know if we ever would have come up with that event. We get to do it again this year, like, pandemic or not. And Vince will have to, have to protect his title from the Pollocks who are nipping on his heels for, like, only a few minutes, right? So, like, we are excited. Like, we had to change methodology. We also transitioned our fall carnival. In 2019, our fall carnival had over 700 people, more than double what we had in 2018, right? It was awesome. There were like streams of people and like my kids were geeked out about it because people were like tearing off whole bags of candy and just dumping them into their pails. And then I was taking their candy for myself. And like it was so much fun, but we recognized that, man, that fall carnival, that's probably like there's a whole bunch of kids like crossing paths and, and they're going down slides that probably have never been disinfected ever before. And like there's free hot dogs and like there was just a whole lot of things going on. And so we were like, okay, we, how can we provide something for our community that will still allow them to social distance, but still give them something to be able to do around Halloween time? So we pivoted. And we said, hey, we're going to do a movie night. So we did a movie night out on the lawn. We had over 300 people come. We had a local business partner with us. It was like, hey, how many pumpkins do you need? I was like, 200. And we were thinking like the little baby ones. Guys, we threw away like thousands of pounds of massive pumpkins at the end of that event because they gave us so many pumpkins in order to be able to push harder into our community. Right? It was so much fun to be able to do that, to be able to pivot. And then a few days later, and this is what you guys as Baptists, all of us as Baptists, this is what we should get really excited about. A few days later, we got the opportunity to baptize 18 people in our tank out there in one day. Yeah? Applause? Okay, good. So here's the thing. Everybody's like, well, church is shut down. Everything's closed. We're not doing anything. We baptized 18 people last year in, at one time, 18 people. You know, the year before, 2020, when we were having that explosive growth and attendance was blowing up and we were celebrating and all of that stuff, we had 21 that year. There were only three fewer baptisms in the year 2020 than there were in the year 2019. God is moving. God is working continually, even if you don't see it. Even amid people being angry and divided, along political, uh, political lines during racial unrest ruled the country as riots were breaking out. And, and we decided, our pastoral staff decided, we sat down and we said, what is it that we are going to be known for in the midst of 2020? 
And we decided we are going to be known for preaching the gospel amid the chaos. We're going to be known for one thing, and that's sharing the good news. We are going to bury our nose in the Bible and go hard after it. The world doesn't need some philosophical adjacent thing to walk by it. The world needs Christianity to continue to be countercultural, to offer hope to a world devoid of it. And so we said, hey, we need to engage in some of these conversations. It is important for us to engage in these conversations. But every single thing that we do, we are going to look at the gospel first, we are going to look at the Bible first, and we are going to go hard after Jesus, period. So I've had people ask me, how come we haven't been talking about this more? How come we haven't been talking about this more? The reason we haven't been talking about those things more is because we've been spending our time talking about Jesus. That's why. And that's what we are going to continue to do. Man, we preached series on stewardship. We, te- we talked about how to be a biblical family. We, talked about, we did a whole series on the Holy Spirit, which seems like it was like 20 years ago that we did that. We talked through how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and we spent the lion's share of the year preaching through the book of Galatians, where the theme of Jesus plus there we go, I like it, was echoed. Jesus plus nothing was echoed over and over and over again. Galatians 2.6 says, As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. Paul reminded us over and over and over again, it doesn't matter your externals. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how poor you are, how good you look, how ugly you are. It does not matter. Only thing that matters is Jesus, Period. And while we need to continue to live our lives in such a way that's going to honor him at the end of the day, our salvation does not rest on anything but on the cross of Christ. Amen, church? For me, personally, that was an incredibly transformational series. One of the most powerful ones that I've walked through. And I hope that God worked in your lives in the same way. In October, we also began to uh, look for our new children's director. And uh, a lot of people don't know how this came about. You know, obviously, Emily said she was going to step away and pursue some other options. And we love Emily. If you're joining us online, Emily, we love you. We're thankful for the work that you did. But man, we went three weeks and we didn't get any real great candidates at all. Like we were at the point like I was calling everybody I knew, Jeff was calling everybody he knew, Kyle was making phone calls, um, and we were just like, man, we don't got, we were almost to like starting to guilt people into just applying for the job. Right, like, we, like playing the God card, like I think God wants you to do this. We never did that. But then out of nowhere, we just got this resume and her cover letter was pink and purple. I was like, what is happening with this resume right now? And so then on her resume, there was a link, like she sent it digitally, there was a link to a YouTube video of her engaging kids online at the, at the church that she was volunteering at. And I kid you not, the first thing I clicked on was our new children's director, Stephanie Hackett, with slime all over her head. That was my first impression of Stephanie. I thought, uh, uh, I don't know. And I talked to my wife and she's like, she's exactly who you guys need in children's ministry. I said, man, you're probably not wrong. And so we began to have more conversations, and actually when she came for an in-person interview, uh, her car broke down in the parking lot. And so she had to, we had to jumpstart her car, and she told me on the way home, she told her husband, she's like, there's no way I'm getting this job. Like, there's no way I'm getting this job. And if I'm being honest, she should not have gotten this job. I mean, anybody who, cut, who sends me photos of like slime on their head with a, with a pink and purple cover letter and her car breaks down all within like a week of each other and they're trying to make a good first impression, not great. But the more we talk to her, the more we recognize that she had an incredible passion for kids, an incredible passion for, for teaching kids about Jesus. She has wisdom. She has way more energy than I can handle in my entire life. And I'm thankful she has it and I don't. But we said, you know what, we feel like God is calling you to our church, and I truly believe that Stephanie is going to take our children's ministry to the next level, and I'm so excited about that. The other thing that we have to know from the year is that we began to see the needs in our community in a very real way. 
You know, in a year where there were more people in need of food in our community than ever before, there really wasn't a great option for a Thanksgiving meal. Some things that we had in place before, some different ministries that we partnered before um, said that 2019 was kind of going to be their last year. And so there were a couple options around town, but not a ton. And so Jeff and our missions team, I know Pam Angulo was a big part of this, and there were others as well who, I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten who it was. Uh, but they said, hey, let's figure out how to feed as many people as we possibly can in our community. We're just going to take it on. And so we got the opportunity, never doing it before, to register, deliver, and prepare, prepare food for over 300 people the day before Thanksgiving. It was so awesome to be able to see that. And so we were pushing into that. That was quickly followed up by Operation Christmas Child, where even though we weren't meeting indoors, we still managed to get our, to get our quota of shoeboxes to send overseas uh, to those who are obviously much less fortunate than us. Now, obviously, these are just some of the highlights from our year. There are a ton, and there are a ton of stories we could be, we could be able to share. Um, but I want to I talk through really quick and I know you guys have been spoiled. I've been going like, it's only been like an hour and you guys are out. So happy Valentine's Day. Um, there's a few things we're going to be doing in 2021 that we really want to lean hard into. Some new methods while our mission remains steadfast because we're going to continue to love God, love people, and serve the world. We made a very important hire outside of Stephanie. That was last year, but this year, just a couple weeks ago, we made a very important hire, a man by the name of Gary Rocha. A lot of you know Gary. He was a former fire chief, and then he retired, and they needed other things. Like, he went back to work, and then he retired, and he went back to work, and he retired. And when he was retired, we were like, hey, before this guy unretires again, we should get him to come work for us. And so Gary has taken on the role of uh, our facilities director. And the reason I say it's an important hire, not just because we have a big building, we have a lot of facilities, all of this needs to be taken over, um, but myself and Pastor Jeff were largely giving oversight to our, to our facilities. Jeff kind of managing uh, our janitorial staff and some of bigger projects, and I was doing some bigger projects and trying to coordinate volunteers. Now, I don't know if you saw, we have this outdoor stage that we used uh, for a couple months right over here on the lawn. Um, and that's where we get to do Easter this year, by the way. Um, and that stage wasn't there. But what would happen is, is I, got, I got Garrett Gilcrease to come in and, and help us just, hey, man, quarterback this project. And so then, like, I would be around, and, like, Garrett would talk to me, and I'd give him one answer. And then I wouldn't be around, and then Jeff would be around, and Jeff would give him another answer. And it was like, hey, just tell me what you guys want to do, and I'll do it. And we couldn't ever, like, there was no good leadership pipeline there. So quick shout out to Garrett. Jake Highfield was a huge help uh, uh, helping that get that stage put together and all that stuff. But, but there was no focus surrounding kind of our facilities. And so Gary being able to take some of these big projects on, and there's a lot of big projects on, has freed up Jeff to be able to push into what he is best at, which is connecting with individuals and pushing hard in our community. That's how Jeff Milhan is, is gifted completely and totally. So I'll get to Jeff in just a second, but with Gary specifically in these projects, man, last year, can I just say thank you? And I've said it, I've said it a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. Thank you for your generosity in 2020. In a year where we were stressed about everything, finances was never a thing we were stressed about, ever. So the thank you, thank you for making my job easier in that respect. Actually, you guys gave so well that we had a huge surplus, not huge, a decent surplus. Let's go for a huge one this week, yeah? Um, but a decent surplus. And so we said, hey, all of this surplus, what we're going to do, a lot of this surplus rather, we're going to shove it into this fund where we are going to be able to work on our building. We want our building at the end of this year to be able to remain steadfast for the next decades. That includes painting the exterior. That includes painting the interior. That includes redoing the lawns, redoing some irrigation systems. I mean, there's projects all over the place for us to be able to get done so our building can remain steadfast for the next decade. Why does that that matter because we have an albatross hanging around our neck called our mortgage. Each year, some of you may not know, we spend a quarter of a million dollars just paying our mortgage, $250,000 a year paying our mortgage, which is fine. We've never missed a payment. We actually refied and we're throwing more money at our principal this year than we, than we have ever in the past. So that's a great thing. But I don't want to be 50 by the time this building is paid off. 
Okay? And so we're going to do as much as we can this year, get our building to a place of sustainability, and then really do our best to just kind of freeze outside of regular maintenance, freeze that money, and put all of it towards our mortgage so we can get out from underneath this thing. Um, but that, like I said, that frees up Jeff to be able to do some really, really cool things, to connect with people and engage in our community. Every month this year, we will have opportunities to serve in some way. Some of these things are bigger projects. Some of these things are smaller projects. Okay, the bigger projects, um, uh, we have one happening this coming Saturday at King's Gospel Mission where we, we want you to show up and serve. And I don't want you to show up and serve simply because you know how to swing a hammer. Okay, we are called to more than that as the church. Okay, our responsibility to serve isn't wrapped up in our abilities. Our responsibility to serve is wrapped up in our ability to love. Okay, John 13, 35 actually says, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. They will know you are Christians by our love. We want to be able to show and press into the community and tell them, hey, look, we love you. We care about you. We have hope where there is none. Let us show you where that hope actually is. Now, we did one in January where, where everybody on the COVID unit floors at, at Adventist Health got coffee and, and cookies and we paid for it and we wrote on the sleeves of the coffee just prayers for those people. We delivered hundreds of coffee and, do and, and cookies to those people. Just, hey, we care about you. We're praying for you. We love you. And that was it. Small thing. But we want to be able to continue to press in our community. So look for some of those things. If you haven't signed up yet to go serve at King's Gospel Mission, do it. Come with us. Okay, so we're going to do a hard push into that. We're also going to double down on our push into small groups. Those things will not change. We think life change actually happens in smaller groups as our, as our church continues to grow. Um, we need to continue to get smaller. So if you're not in a small group, jump into one. Beyond that, we are offering more equipping groups this year than we ever have. Okay, equipping groups are things that, um, that are... Are, you want to look at them for, for a very small window of time. They're kind of more felt need, right? Like, hey, uh, we want to teach you how to read your Bible. We just finished up that one. We want to teach you how to share your faith, how to reach the next generation, how to handle your money well. All of those, those groups, those equipping groups will be offered this year, and we're incredibly excited about that. But we're going to continue to figure out new and inventive ways to reach our kids and students for Jesus. Man, can I just be honest? I want our church to be known for how well we reach the next generation for Christ. I want people to know that, hey, it, it, I, I'm looking to get plugged into a church because I want my kids to grow up loving Jesus. They would have no option but to pick FBH. Like that would be their only option. And so we have to come up with new and inventive ways as well as standing on some of the things that we've done in the past. Right? We want to be able to do Summerfest. We want to be able to do VBS. Okay? These things are important to us. They may look different, but how we do it is not the issue. The fact that we do it is the bigger obstacle that we need to continue to overcome. We're going to, like we always do, preach the Bible. We're going to do it in our best way. I'm going to do my best. Jeff, we have some guest teachers this year and that sort of thing. Um, in a way that's, that's engaging and challenging for people who don't yet know Jesus, but also those people who have uh, been a part of the church for a long time. Some series that we have planned, we actually have one kick, kicking off next week. It's called Love Where You Live. I, I, we're talking about pushing hard in our community, so we're going to take stories from the Bible about people loving where they live and push hard into those, uh, those things in a very tangible and very real way. Beyond that, we're going to teach on stewardship this year. We'll be teaching through the entire book of Exodus, Old Testament nerds, where you at? Okay, we're going to push through the entire series in, in, uh, in Exodus, um, which is exciting and slightly uncomfortable. Uh, I'm just going to be upfront about it now. They talk about circumcision a lot, okay? So that word's going to be, be over and over and over again used. Um, we're also going to be teaching through the entire book of Titus. Um, and so for you New Testament leadership nerds. Titus is where we get to, uh, to go at for that, as well as have our, uh, our standard Christmas series as well. And lastly, we're making some changes to our Sunday morning yet again. Okay, as you can see, this room, relatively full. Uh, our 8.30 service is not so much, okay? And so what we're going to do, we're not changing this service time. We are going to simply shift our 8.30 service to 9 a.m. That starts on February 28th, okay? We feel like there's enough time in between those, as long as I'm not getting preachy and you're getting the director's cut, to be able to clean the things that we need to clean and transition people over. That 
maybe so. Some of you who think 8.30 is too early, but 9 o'clock is just right, great. Come join us at the 9 o'clock. The other thing you need to be aware of is on February 28th, what day? February 28th, good, good. One of you heard no. Uh, February 28th, um, we get the opportunity after talking with Stephanie, uh, our children's director, and uh, talking with some of our other paid workers and volunteers and that sort of thing that we feel confident enough to be able to reopen our nursery on February 28th as well. That's only going to be at the 1030 service, okay? So parents, if you are like, oh, sometimes I'm 830, sometimes I'm 1030, whatever, at 1030, we're going to reopen our nursery starting on February 28th, okay? So we're excited about that. Um, and in a time, like I said, man, our, our nursery was one of the most explosive things that we had going on before everything shut down. And that nursery has been closed for the better part of a year now, almost an entire year. Uh, and so we're excited to be able to offer a safe place for our kiddos to be able to go. And I know parents of young kids are like, not as excited as I am. So I get it, and we're, we're excited about that. But church, we have some exciting things planned for the year. And last thing, and you don't hear me beg too often. I'm not going to beg, but I'm going to appeal to each of you, hopefully. Can I just say our biggest obstacle this year is not going to be engaging our community. It's not going to be getting people plugged into small groups. It's not going to be reading our Bibles. Okay, our biggest obstacle that we are going to have to overcome as a church is to be able to put people in place to be able to serve. We need volunteers, and here's why. Not just because we have this massive machine called FBH that we're trying to get started running again, right? The bigger reason is, is that the reality is that our volunteer base when we shut down was largely an older population, and they've done an incredible job for a very long time at serving our church. But what happens with at risk with, with that congregation or that age group of people is they're at risk. And so a lot of them are not yet comfortable coming back to church, especially coming back and serving at one service and attending another or anything like that. And so because of that, our volunteer base has shrunk. Beyond that, beyond just, just that age demographic, um, people are just comfortable now being able to wake up, sit in their pajamas, turn on their TV or, or computer and watch service and then turn it off and, you know, go about their day. It's easier. They get to save at least half an hour. They don't have to get ready. Kids can go color in the other room, whatever it may be. So we've gotten into a habit of just being okay with church happening. We have to, re we have to remember that church doesn't just happen. Each of you who, who would call FBH your home, we ask you to serve in some capacity. We want you to serve in some capacity in your gifts, in your talents, whatever it may be but we need your support and volunteer hours more than ever. We need greeters, we need kids ministry people, we need musicians and singers, we need student ministry people, we need our security team, we need people who work with technology, we need your support now more than we ever have in the form of your willingness to serve. Hear me on that. That will be our church's single largest obstacle for us to be able to clear in 2021 if we are gonna to continue to push hard into the community. So if you're interested, uh, in the next couple days, we'll be posting something to Facebook. I'll shoot it out in an email for all of you on our newsletter list as well. Um, with just the opportunity to serve, you can sign up there, and uh, I'll give you instructions in there. But church, we need you to continue to engage in our community. We need you to continue to engage with your oikos. Some of you don't even know what an oikos is, but it's those eight to 15 people that God has both supernaturally and strategically placed in your life to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Church, it is our responsibility to do this. And oftentimes in scripture, and I'll land with this, when believers were put through the ringer for one reason or another, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, God blessed them even more on the other side of the trial. Don't believe me? Go read the book of Job. Tell you what, you don't even have to read the book of Job. You can read the first five chapters and the last five chapters of Job. And you'll see that Job was very wealthy. God took everything away. And then at the end of everything, God blessed him ten times more than what he had before after he was put through trial. I'm not guaranteeing that for our church. But I am guaranteeing if we, if, if every single day, we as a church and we as individuals wake up and decide to pursue God, with the entirety of our beings as individuals, and then we as a church say, yes, this is the direction that we are moving, 
We are going to be biblically measured. We are going to love God. We are going to love people. We are going to serve the world. And we do that as a group, as we move as one. God's going to bless that because God blesses obedience over and over and over again in Scripture. Church, it's our responsibility. Help us be known as the church who indeed offers an, alter an alternative hope to the same philosophies the world continues to, to, to peddle. Church, church, help us love God, love people, and serve the world in 2021. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, God, we thank you for today. And we thank you for, <clears throat> as weird as it sounds, we thank you for the year 2020. And it even sounds weird just me saying it because there was so much, so many terrible things that happened in 2020. When our world was completely and totally flipped upside down. But God, we recognize that all things work together for the good of those who love you. So God, I pray that we would remember that, that all of those things work together for our good because we love you. And God, I pray that we would love you more now. I pray that every single day we would wake up and we would love you more now. When we wake up and we remember that church isn't about me. That I get fed, I get equipped, and then I get to go out and I get to share your word with other people. I get to go out and I get to disciple other people. That that's our responsibility as a church as we get back on mission. God, I pray 2021 would be a year where we, where we regain our focus from a blurry 2020. God, I pray that you would make FBH a church that is dangerous in their faith. Lord, I am... I'm so thankful for your timing and how well that you walked with us through, through a year of trial. And God, as, as we continue to face trial, Lord, I pray we would continue to be obedient because you honor obedience. So God, help us be obedient. I don't know, maybe you're online or maybe you're with us this morning and you're just thinking to yourself, I, I need to, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. I do want to love God. I want to love people. I want to serve the world. And you've never yet made that profession of faith in your life. I just, I would say you should pray along with me in the quietness of your heart right now and just say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, that I fall short every single day. And B, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me to take care of those sins. And God, thank you that he didn't stay on the cross, that he conquered death. And because of that, I choose to follow you every single day as we push into what your mission is for us, God. Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.